Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to today's episode of the Strategy in Leadership podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. In this podcast, we interview senior leaders and thought leaders to get their best practices on leading teams, creating and executing strategy, and fostering the culture within an organization that works. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My guest today is V Band, who is co-founder and CEO of Contactually and author of Success is in Your Sphere. V, how are you today? I am doing great. Lots to be thankful for. Thanks uh, so much for uh, having me on today. It's my sincere pleasure. I just love, you know, just our brief conversation that we had before this. I love your vibe and I'm just so uh, excited to be able to have you share on the podcast somebody who's been uh, a really influential member of your community, not only like the tech community, but it looks like you got a lot of experience in, you know, just the city and the people that you live in. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about you, your background and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, uh, I have absolutely no idea how I got to where I am now. It's kind of still a bit of a mystery to me because I'm actually, uh, you know, if you looked at uh, V Band who graduated college, um, he was, you know, very introverted software engineer working for a government contractor. Now, yeah, I mean, I am, you know, CEO of an enterprise software company. Um, I have a book uh, about about the art and science of building relationships that's uh, that's now out on the shelves. I help run the DC Tech Meetup, which is one of the largest meetups in the country. I have around 23,000 members. I, I think it's because I started off, you know, and I realized and I, I got very lucky early on in my career and realized that relationships, you know, who I knew and more importantly, who knew me was going to be my absolute best asset moving forward. And uh, that's kind of why I helped uh, help create community, um, help maintain my relationships and now provide software that helps others do that. Okay. So, you know, I definitely, so obviously in the strategy and leadership podcast, we share best practices for leaders, whether that's business leaders, community leaders, people uh, involved in strategy. I want to maybe we'll start with your background at Contactually and tell me some of the things that you learned as a leader in that space and in terms of like strategy creation. And then maybe we'll, we'll switch to what you've learned in your from your community impact days. I would say like one of the early challenges I faced as a leader uh, was battling the imposter syndrome. Um, like I said, you know, I'm a, at least you know, in my mind, I kind of had the mindset of being an individual contributor created a company that happened to really start to start to take off and you know grew to where it is today especially through the early years i kind of felt very uneasy being a leader i kind of felt like the the company had kind of grown up under me but i wasn't necessarily helping to run or manage the company and it wasn't until i, I worked with a, a management consultant who helped me with the 360 process and one of the most amazing things that came out is that everyone in the company referred to me as their leader. And that kind of, yeah, that was a watershed moment that kind of helped break the chains of kind of being, you know, having this imposter syndrome. So that was really important. And that allowed me to start then being a lot more intentional about the culture, not just being a participant in it and just kind of watching it and putting out fires, but actually trying to be much more intentional around what is the culture we want and how do we grow it? And then how did you take that leadership in yourself? What was your journey from imposter, becoming a leader, and then really like embracing that? Like what were the next steps that you took in order to like recognize your leadership and then maybe like take people along for the ride with you? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you know, then I was able to take, I'd say, a lot more critical view and say, all right, what is the what does the company need in a leader? Um, more importantly, what does the company need right now? What are the challenges we're going through or about to go through? And what kind of leadership do we need in order to do that? And so that kind of helped me shift a lot of my resources and tension. For example, one of the big strategic changes uh, I, we made in, I think, around 2016 is my co-founder and I used to split ourselves. He was focused on sales. I was focused on product. Um, we both kind of like handle a lot of the same thing. And then we said, no, as a leader, V needs to focus more of his time outside the company, on the larger strategy, on the big relationships, being out in the field, building thought leadership. And so literally there was a there was one day where you know we basically told all management, all right, you are now reporting up to you know my co-founder Tony, V, you know, you are no you no longer have any direct reports. Uh, your focus is now be on the road at conferences, building thought leadership. And if it were a year or two earlier, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it all. And it was still very uncomfortable for me. But again, it's kind of, you know, because we had built this confidence that like as a leader, that's where I can best serve my time. Okay. That's awesome. So really uh, recognizing, you know, go, recognizing where you fit and where you're the best impact to your company and where like at, we're making sure that even you are in the right seat, taking on the right things at the right time. Exactly. Okay. Uh, I just one more question about that. Can you tell me about how the Contactually Awards came to be? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, one of the uh, one of the uh, truly amazing and wonderful things to watch in the seven half years that we've been running the company is the little artifacts and rituals that come up. And so we started off just, you know, when I think we were just a handful of people every year at a holiday party, we'd give out like what were meant, meant to be like commendations, like, you know, uh, award for really great customer service, uh, award for going above and beyond. And over time, again, you know, one of the amazing things is to watch a culture shift and start to grow. So it kind of, it was, you know, probably maybe a dozen or so very serious, like very nice supportive awards. Fast forward to you know, December 2018, and it was, I think, 250 awards were given out, and they were all, like, absolutely hilarious, sometimes a little bit too mean, but all jokingly fun and loving and things like that. And so it was cool to watch that. So I still have uh, multiple years of uh, contactually awards on my desk. Uh, including for uh, being the louder speaker in the office, uh, where you know people know when uh, when I'm in the office because I'm literally screaming on the phone sometimes. I want to ask, like, sort of how that came to be. Was it culture driven? Was it fun driven? Like, how did you make that happen? What was the impetus for that? Yeah, I mean, I think culture and fun go hand in hand. I mean, the, I think there's uh, there's definitely a lot of concern or obsession around how to create culture, and I think it it was pretty easy for us very early on. I mean, we definitely just built this mindset that we wanted contactually our company to be a place that we wanted to work. And if we care about the relationships we have with our employees and customers and things like that, we want this to be a place where they want to work and we wanted our customers to want to work with us too. So, you know, that kind of really fed into our culture. And so it started this kind of, you know, this 
kind of this uh, wagon wheel of introspection where we are always analyzing ourselves saying, all right, well, what can we do to make this a enjoyable place to work? And yeah, of course, you know, there are other, there are some obvious things that popped up like, you know, good health insurance and, you know, good paternity and maternity leave, all that kind all that kind of stuff too. But, you know, then it manifests itself into really fun things. Like for a while, we had uh, happy hour 430 every Friday because that was one of those things that, you know, we felt like we felt was good. But then as we brought in people that, you know, for whom, you know, drinking wasn't necessarily their main social activity, uh, it morphed into just kind of a more of a fun meeting and fun kind of time for people to gather, like regardless of whether you're drinking or not. So, yeah, the awards, again, came out of a we like recognizing each other and we built a culture of recognition and uh, awards were just uh, one of those artifacts. That's awesome. And, and the reason I share that is really, you know, for, for if you're listening on this and you're looking for different ways to engage your employees, to acknowledge your people, to develop a culture, to tell somebody they have a fluffy beard without getting HR mad at you, you know, you can use uh, an award system like that that they've done. So <clears throat> I just thought it was really cool. So I just wanted to, to acknowledge you for that and, and bring that up. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. So you started your company, you, you know, you grew it to where you're at, you got acquired. And then one of the other things that you do in your life is, is the DC Tech Meetup. So, you know, you're a leader by definition inside of Contactually. How does that leadership differ in terms of perspective, in terms of your own perspective of how people see you? And then how do you embrace that leadership and how do you drive that forward? So like, what's your different role between being a company CEO and being a co-founder organizer of the DC Tech Meetup? Yeah, absolutely. And I think like you, the entrepreneurial DNA is pretty straightforward. You know, it's having the bias for action and when you see a problem to try and invent a solution for it. And so the the creation of a lot of the DC ecosystem uh, initiatives that I've been thankful to be a part of um, really stem from that. It's, you know, finding, for example, that most, you know, most people had no idea that DC had a lot of really great startup companies at the time that were doing incredibly well. Most people had no idea they existed. Even like investors, when they came to town, didn't realize that you know huge companies, even like long-standing ones like AOL, were based just you know in the in the general DC region. And so we set out to try and figure out, well, how can we solve this? You know, in this case, it was kind of a, through like a nonprofit, um, the DC Tech Meetup, which now has grown to be one of the largest in the country. But it's it was a number of like different individual things like that, that led us to where we are today. And so, you know, my role, you know, even at the DC Tech Meetup now, while I was one of the co-founders, you know, I step back and I let, you know, I let, you know, really great leaders, you know, kind of, you know, to run it. And my job is to make sure that everyone is connected and that's it. I got that. But then you recognize where your, where that, your leadership role is to really create the space for other leaders to step in and to, to make that happen. That was one of the harder things, you know, hard transitions I had to go through. Again, being an individual contributor by trade who used to judge myself by the work I create. Um, I still love to do that kind of, you know, on the, on the side as well. But now, you know, I, I know and I've been guided that anytime I'm doing something myself, you know, there should always be that gut check saying, hey, you know, could I have empowered someone else on my team to be able to do this instead? I got that. That's awesome. Okay, so let's tie that in with your approach to life and how you look at people in terms of developing relationships and 
your approach to empowering professionals to build authentic relationships? Because that sounds like those two are really aligned, both what you've done contextually, what you do with the DC Tech Meetup, and then now about your book, Successes in Your Sphere, Leverage the Power of Relationships to Achieve Your Business Goals. So can you tell me a little about that? About that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think kind of the, the root thread through the book uh, I've written and which stemmed from contactually, uh, which is related to the, you know, to the DC ecosystem efforts. You know, we've all seen, I think like the human beings, you know, are one, you know, social creatures that rely on relationships. Um, you know, even from birth, you know, we, you know, we, if, you know, when we leave our parents, you know, our mother's womb, we wouldn't survive without the people in the community around us. And that still transcends to today, but also that humans working together have achieved absolutely amazing things. You know, when you look at like human achievement relative to any other, you know, animal or plant on earth, you know, it, it really is quite, uh, quite amazing. And so if relationships are our most important asset, you know, then I think it's on us to, you know, as humans to always be thinking about how do we build and maintain better relationships? And one of the challenges that we see these days is that our, you know, we're connected with so many people, but more and more, you know, it's hard to stay connected. Um, one of the tests I always recommend people doing is, you know, open up, you know, go to Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, you know, whatever social network you use more often and pull up any random contact in your friends list and ask yourself the question saying, hey, if this person, you know, asked me, asked to meet me for coffee, uh, would I say yes? Or if I asked them for coffee, what is the likelihood, because I needed something, what is the likelihood that they'd be willing to meet with me? And that kind of goes to show that like we're, you know, unfortunately, like, you know, we're, we're connected to more and more people these days, but these are shallower and shallower connections. So the whole point of, you know, of Contactually and the book Successes in Your Sphere is really all about how do we bring back that skill set that, you know, our, you know, our parents or grandparents used to have of, you know, being able to build and maintain these personal and authentic relationships that can do wonders for our careers. So if I was somebody in an organization and I wanted to look at developing the relationships within my team and I wanted to develop the relationships within my organization, so whether I'm, let's say, you know, the difference between a 20 or 30 person company and maybe a 500,000 person company, what are some things that I could do to develop or what are the things that our listeners could do to start developing those relationships, fostering those relationships? And, you know, we can look at it from a purely selfish a selfish in air quotes uh, perspective that we want to drive productivity, we want to drive business results, but, you know, I think that there's a, a, a benefits at a multi-dimensional, but let's just say, what are some things that people can do to start fostering greater relationships, greater connectedness within a, an organization or a team? What have you seen? Yeah, absolutely. I, and this you know, great, great that you bring uh, bring up this case because most when most people think about relationship, it's all about how do I leverage that for business? You know, how do I get transactions and things like that? And don't get me wrong, that's important. But yeah, I mean, oftentimes you know the first thing we have to think about is well you know, does our, does my team have, have my back, right? You know, are they, are they supportive? Are they, you know, are they operating at full capacity? And so I think it does start off with, at a high level with understanding, you know, what are the goals you're trying to achieve? You know, you might be focusing on saying, hey, I want to make sure that we can uh, recruit really great talent. Okay, great. That's, that's an important thing. 
or maybe it's, you know, maybe I'm focused on uh, retaining talent. You know, I have a talent retention issue or I want to increase productivity of the employees on my team. From there, you can then kind of walking through the capital strategy, then focused on prioritizing those, those relationships that are most impactful. You know, so for example, if you're trying to get more, you know, more referrals to really great talent, you know, find the people that are, that have the most connections or, you know, have already brought in referrals and focus on those relationships. Um, then it's about making sure you, uh, you gain intelligence on, on those people. One of the things, you know, I always find that's amazing is that, again, you know, we, you know, um, you know, in a workplace, we're surrounded by all the small talk. You know, everyone comes in on Monday morning and talks about what they did, what they're going to do, uh, what they did that weekend. And on Friday afternoon, everyone's talking about what they're going to do. So what if we actually were capturing that and started to understand, you know, who in our office really loves board games and names of our employees' children and where they lived and what their hobbies were? Um, how could we leverage that to build and maintain those deeper relationships? And I think once you, once you have that relationship, then it's much easier to be able to, you know, to make the ask or, you know, make it aware what, what you would value. To summarize sort of what you said is, you know, looking, you know, we can look in the business case or we can look in the social case is really about trying to, I guess, get at the heart of it, get a deeper understanding of like who the people are with the, I mean, we'll say again, air quotes, beneficial relationships, but who are the benefit, the relationships that we want to foster and then prioritize those. And then one of the sort of pieces of access to that are actually being genuinely curious on what people are interested in and then you know maybe generating not necessarily just like a list of what people are interested in but like looking at where the different tribes are groups of people are that have similar interests and maybe putting them together or just acknowledging that and, and communicating at that level in that language is that what you're saying exactly and then in terms of like, what are some other things that uh, like a leader, let's say we have a senior leader, senior manager can do to improve the relationships with maybe say their direct reports or their executive team, um, because you have that power dynamic that's in there naturally. But do you have any thoughts on how to do that or what you've done in your experience to develop that teamwork and, and those relationships? I would say that like a, a, you know, a few key cultural assets that work for us that were instilled with values is uh, we very much believed in transparency. And that meant that the, the absolute worst thing, you know, uh, one of my direct reports uh, could, you know, could do was not tell me something or sweep something under the rug or lie. And so establishing that rapport where you are transparent with each other and then honestly means, you know, this is one of the challenges that we face is being vulnerable. Um, you know, being transparent with what's concerning you, what's keeping you up at night. I had no problem telling, you know, telling my employees, you know, if I had a really challenging conversation with uh, a customer or with an investor, I think by doing that, you then, and by being vulnerable, you can then induce that vulnerability because you're creating a safe space for people to be able to share what's on their mind. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be work-related. You can talk about how you had a really rough weekend with your kids um, or, you know, you had issues like you, you had issue, like you had home issues or something like that. You know, you can be able to talk about things that still establish that culture of vulnerability. And then the other thing that was really important for us was ownership. And again, as, as, as managers, you know, and leaders, we usually got to that point by kind of climbing the ranks. And therefore, we have this attitude that we probably know, you know, know the answer. 
But again, we know as we as we've seen time and time again, giving someone the answer won't help them get to the answer and then be able to do that autonomously. So ownership uh, was a, a critical aspect of our culture. Mm, and it sounds like that's the kind of stuff that you can do, whether you're a, a high level leader or just somebody who is an aspiring leader wanting to drive better results. Exactly. So let me ask, maybe there's a flip side to it. What are the things that you've seen, and if, if you have seen this, and when you're not transparent and you're not vulnerable and you're not developing those relationships, like what are the risks of not incorporating that in your strategy? Anything to speak to that? I mean, yeah, like you can throw, you can you can kind of, you know, in, in terms like you risk kind of flipping around everything, you know, everything on its head in terms of what you're trying to achieve. <laughs> if teams can't be transparent with each other, um, you risk uh, duplication or siloed siloed work and teams are communicating. And therefore, what we've definitely seen times of that where sales has absolutely no idea what, what customer success is doing and vice versa. You know, we definitely have had employee retention issues because employees weren't necessarily sure of whether they're doing something right or wrong. And so the moment they get negative feedback, they're like they're out the door because they, they all of a sudden feel that, oh, my God, I, all, I'm, I'm just doing a terrible job across the board. So it, it's hard to kind of paint a full picture of what kind of a uh, what the opposite state looks like, uh, because, again, you know, you, you can kind of keep digging in terms of how bad it may be. Yeah. So there's a like the, there's well upside potential, but then there's also upside down negative potential by not being transparent and open with your communications. So I got two more questions. One of them is going to be a free for all. You answer, share with us one other thing. Uh, Can you tell me about why you got involved with uh, Give Back Homes and why they are your charity of choice for your book? Yeah, absolutely. And so for me, uh, for us, writing the book was really around sharing all the insights that we had gained from helping tens of thousands of professionals build relationships over the years. Um, and especially even after the acquisition, there's no, you know, there's no need for, you know, there's no need for this book to be a bestseller. No one's making any money off of it. Give Back Homes is a really great organization that helps build, like actually build start to finish homes for people in need in various, you know, in, ver- uh, in various places dom- uh, domestically and internationally. And so, uh, you know, knowing the team, we felt is the, is the right, uh, you know, is the right place to go. Okay, I got that. I love it. And what is one thing as we just like leave in closing, what is something you would like to share with our, our listeners today as it relates to developing strategy, developing leadership and, and helping uh, build organizations successfully? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that the best cultures and the best leaders um, have built a internally and within their team, the culture of introspection. And that has served me well, even in relationship building to be able to consistently understand where you're at and analyze possible solutions, um, that has done absolutely amazing things. Last but not least, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so luckily, my name's pretty easy to find. Uh, I'm Z-V-I-B-A-N-D, so Z-Band. The website uh, for the book is successisinyoursphere.com. Fantastic. So it's been such a pleasure. I appreciate your attitude. I appreciate what you do for the folks in DC. And uh, I just appreciate you. It's a really great conversation. And thanks for, for making the time with me today. Thanks for your time. My guest today is Nziv Band, who is the founder of Contactually and the author of Successes in Your Sphere, Leverage the Power of Relationships to Achieve Your Business Goals, published through McGraw-Hill and available anywhere books are sold. 
Once again, my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, rate us five stars, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and send us some feedback. We'd love to know what you thought. You can send it to info at smestrategy.net. Thanks so much for joining us, and until next time. If you're getting ready to lead the strategic planning process yourself, be sure to check out our strategic planning toolkit. It has video walkthroughs to guide you through each step in the planning process from vision to action planning. We'll also have workbooks and downloads to document your plan and best practices to help get your team bought in so the plan gets executed successfully. You can get instant access to all the tools, all the templates, and all the downloads at smestrategy.net slash course.